The Women's Fund for Scotland is Scotland's only dedicated fund for women and girls. I'm Susan Morrison and this is our podcast where we talk to inspiring women improving the lives of those women and girls today. Here's morning from Scottish Women in Sport. Does what it says on the tin. Maureen, Scottish Women in Sport. Now, that is a name that, to me, does what it says on the tin. Would I be right? Well, yeah, I would hope so. I mean, it was conjured up 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, since then, people have said to me exactly what you're saying just now. You, you couldn't encapsulate it better. You're Scottish, you're women, and you're in sport. So, yeah, I have to agree with you there. Brilliant. I'm glad we've agreed on straight out. So... Why, though? What what caused you to, to set up an organisation called Scottish Women in Sport? Well, let me give you a wee bit of a background. I worked in sport most of my adult life. Never been a sporty person, so it wasn't that I, you know, didn't run for miles or anything. In fact, when I was at school, you had to play, play uh, gym and hockey and everything in your brown school knickers. And if that's not going to dissuade you from doing it, you know, what is? Um, but I started off working part-time with Scottish amateur wrestling, And then I went into Scottish women's football, um, which was very small at that point. I was only doing part-time, in fact, for quite a bit of my life. I worked a couple of days wrestling, a couple of days football, so I was a bit of a mixed-up kid. There's a combination. (laughs) (laughs) But then uh, football obviously had more opportunity to grow. At that point, women's football was just getting a wee bit more noticeable. And I applied for the full-time job, and I got the full-time job. And I think... Not being sporty at all, but what struck me was the passion of the young girls playing sport. The fact they didn't have the same opportunities as, you know, the boys or the men. The fact that I was running this organisation and putting together young girls who had to pay to play and to represent Scotland. So sport was the vehicle in terms of getting equality out there. And I've been passionate about that for the past 20 years. So I worked in Scottish women's football for 20 years and then things changed. I was offered a package in 2012. And one night, sitting with a glass of red wine, I thought, I wonder what we're going to do here. And I knew in 2012, listening to Claire Balding, she was coming out all the time about the, the, the unequal stats around women in sport. And there was many organisations down in England looking after women in sport. There was nothing in Scotland. So it was dreamt up that night. 2013, we celebrate 10 years this year. We've lasted 10 years um, and uh, I suppose I'm looking forward to the next 10 years. <laughs> Girls are not, even today, are not doing enough sport. And it seems to be that they get switched off. I, I, I get what you're saying about gym as well. I hated gym at school um, to the point where I always had a note from my mother <clears throat> who signed herself Susan's mum. <laughs> <laughs> And eventually one day to get out of doing gym, I remember I chewed a bar of soap and I pretended I had rabies. Wow. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, what I can tell you is it stings a lot when you throw it back up again. It shows you how much you must have disliked it. You weren't alone there. And that's the whole problem. You know, people make decisions with regards to what young girls should like and what they should like. Nobody thinks to ask them and to encourage them and to support them. So... That's a problem. 
It is it's an extraordinary problem, but as I said, PE at school didn't do anything for me. And yet today I now have a quite an expensive and I'm proud to say well-used gym membership. I'm probably in the gym three or four times a week. And yet it's, it's so strange. I went to all those lengths to, to avoid doing that when I was younger. But women's sport, I'm afraid, in Scotland, it's had a pretty rough deal until recently, hasn't it? The, the thing about being this age and looking back, you can always see improvements, you know, but I can sit here and clearly say there's masses still to be done. But I mean, in terms of what I can recall from all my years going back, there have been some good moments. And I think now we've got such a vibrant support for the women's football. You know, they're doing really, really well. So there's, you know, and they're, they're making a lot of headway. We've got young girls going into sports that people would say, oh, not girly. You know, who made that decision? Not the girl herself. She wanted to go. In. Hannah Rankin comes from Scotland. She comes from Luss. She's descended from Rob Roy McGregor. She was in a school. I think there was only two girls as so she moved up. She is a classical musician, but she's also one of Scotland's world-class boxers. She's won title fights. You know, people don't know this story. It's a fabulous story. We've got, you know, we've got Laura Muir. We've got, you know, Team Muirhead. We've got amazing female athletes. So I'd probably say we're not doing well because people don't know about it. But if you know about it, uh, as a small country, we are producing some great female athletes. I've watched uh, the Scottish female football team, women's football team recently. And I also followed the uh, Women's World Cup. I don't know anything about football. Uh, I had to because of my mum. My granddad used to be a semi-professional footballer, so she she's still up. She she's eighty three, but she's still up in the football. So we had to we watched it. And she, yeah, she does sit there shouting, "That was offside!" And I, <laughs> but it's it's great to see improvements in women's sport because I'm, I passionately believe that fitness is essential for a good, healthy life. And it's it's something that we we just don't seem to be teaching, or we didn't teach women, young women. When I was a girl, it was very much a sort of an add-on. Uh -huh. I mean, I think also mental well-being comes through sport. What I always envied in my years of working in football was the camaraderie the teams had when they're together as young girls. It was great. And I know them now still, and they're still friends. They're still yeah. friends, still meet up with their pals that they played football with when they're 16, 17 plus. So it's great. It really is good for that. I think for me... For so long, and people saying, well, this is what girls should do. You can't do that because you're a girl. And I think the battle in terms of that has been great because young girls no longer accept that. They want to do it. They want the opportunity and they should. And they have to fight for it. And I don't think that's right. It is a shame that they're still getting this the, that side eye. That oh, yes. it's, it's just it's just girls. But um, so we can just turn to the the women's fund for Scotland because because uh, you got funding from the women's fund for Scotland. What did it? What did that funding allow you to do? Well, let me explain to you why we we applied for it. So a couple of years ago, we managed to get um, some sponsorship, and what we did is we commissioned research into what the women in leadership were like in sport in Scotland. So that would be women chairs, women on boards, it would be women as um, senior leaders in the organisation, it would be women coaches. And the statistics were shocking. I mean, the top line that came from that, that at the rate of pace of change over the past five years, it would take another 25 years to find equality. <gasps> Oh, I'm loving that sound. That was perfect because that's how I felt. That's that's two generations, two and a half generations of sporting women. For me, always the bee in my bonnet has been if we had women 
sitting, making decisions at the top where they could clearly stand up for women, explain the benefits of having maybe a different pathway to get there because we are different. We deserve the same opportunities, but we're different. The fact that we're still probably caring for parents, children, looking after the house, that makes us different for a start. Um, so that was shocking for me. And then I've been working with Sam H. I was key, I love Sam H. They're a great organisation, Scottish Association of Mental Health, do wonderful work. They do a lot of work in sport as well. Uh-huh. Um, and we thought that to put together a mentorship scheme where young women would be able to be supported and the ultimate aim is they come through as confident and they put themselves forward for these positions because half of the problem is they don't feel confident to do it because a man will say, oh, I can do four out of six of those tasks. I'm fine for that job. And the girl will say, I can do them all, but I'm just not sure. We did a research. We did our research along. We got 76, I think, responses. And you would have been disappointed at how these young women felt still in this day and age, that they were spoken over, that they weren't listened to, that they had all the attributes required, but they still weren't good enough. So we formed an expert panel, again, of young girls, and they would blow your socks off. What fabulous young women. Um, Their responses, their understanding, their openness was just really, really good. And basically, they helped us to build this mentorship scheme. And we were looking for some funding from the Women's Fund in Scotland. They were the ones that came in and helped to support it. So it's been fabulous. What I'm finding fascinating about Scottish Women's Sport is the fact that you're not dealing with just one sport, like you're not a netball association or football, but you're actually trying to inspire entire generations of young women to take up sport and fitness so how do you reach those young women do you do you start as you said with a leadership program and then kind of percolate it all down is, is that your program really when i started up the organization 10 years ago my thought at that point was really just about increasing awareness and raising the profile and we could do that through social media twitter was only a couple of years old at that point <laughs> So, you know, if MD came on to my Twitter feed, it was just a matter of retweeting it, getting out, getting good visual images out of young girls playing sport, enjoying sport. And that was how it started off. But it has grown, it has developed over the years because there's so many different areas that we can influence in or we can shout about and raise awareness of. We have a conference, which has always got a good topic. And we have an awards dinner because I don't know how many awards dinners I've been to in my life where women and girls never got a shout. They just didn't get a look in. We have fabulous awards dinners. We had with everybody in tears last year, just because people were so proud. We had the women's football team that played 50 years ago, the pioneers, including a, a woman called Rose Riley and Elsie Cook, just amazing women. And our host, Alison Walker, stood up and basically read out a report from a paper who spoke about these mad women running about the park with their boobs bouncing up and down. That, that was, you know, a report in the paper. Um, and the, we invited the members of the team back then on the stage and they got a, a standing ovation. And it just went from better to worse because we had young women, we had women of all ages, all shapes and sizes, all with an interest in sport, but in an interest of being happy and healthy. I've been to so many awards dinners where I've probably around about dessert. I've heard so many male voices that just want to shove my face into the tiramisu and drown myself. So that sounds to me as if that, that that's a dinner I would love to attend. That's me dropping a massive <laughs> hint. <laughs> so Scottish Women in Sport, to me, there's a great line in the show Hamilton, uh, be in the room when it happens. So it sounds to me as a Scottish women in sport is, is trying to get itself into the rooms where the decisions are being made. 
I would think undoubtedly that would change things. Um, you know, we talk about lived experience and it, it's maybe not always necessary to have it to make a decision. But in terms of debating and discussing where you're going to invest, how you're going to invest, how you're going to promote, how you ensure young women are aware and welcome into the space, it's going to be a much better answer if somebody's come through that. So on the one hand, you're talking about leadership, which is needed, desperately needed. But also, um, you're so passionate about the, the girls at the grassroots so as well as just playing their sports, are you reaching out to them to encourage them to be the next generation of leaders? Yes. And I think the mentorship scheme that we carried out through the funding, it's about, no, no we didn't put a criteria that you had to be the world's best sportswoman, but you had to have an interest in sport because we know that not all these young women will end up working in sports. So, But what we can give them is the confidence and the, the mental well-being to, to go into other roles in sport. But if we look at, you know, our stats that come, come out of our Women in Leadership report, which is on our website, scottishwomeninsport.co.uk, you know that the gaps are quite large. There's plenty of space. We're 51% of the population. And the statistics, I think we've got 27% of um, female coaches. You know, we're, we're, we're always about a third down the line. I'm not the world's best at reciting numbers and remembering what the percentage are. So that's why I'm going to sort of tell people you want to look at it and read it for yourself. It's on our website. Great answer. It is on the <laughs> website because really you're beyond statistics because one young sportswoman is just one person. But what you're talking about is in not just improving her life, but the lives of just about everyone she comes into contact with. Well, that's it. If you're going to have an ambition, you might as well dream big. <laughs> that's big. <laughs> I'm, I'm so saddened, though, that there are still barriers to young women in sport. How do we overcome them? For me, I think half the problem is that people don't think there are any barriers anymore. Ah, They've seen improvements. But I think in terms of sports understanding how to make the space welcoming is, for me, the first step is basically to speak to young women, to speak to older women. You know, if you're looking to encourage coaches, what, you're going to have them out three times a week, paying a fortune when they've got a family to look after? Um, and, you know, we've got a, a crisis in our economy at the moment. So it's understanding how we can help. You know, if you've got a, a boardroom of 10 men and you're trying to say to them, you need to do it different for, for women, the majority of them will be given the answer, why? Why? If they want to do it, say for them. We're not stopping them doing it, but you're not making it welcoming. You're not making it easy. You're not making it encouraging. Yeah, there's a way of stopping people by just not welcoming them, isn't there? I think a lot of people see young women in sport as being a phase they go through and, and then they'll grow up. And, and then the other side of it as well, a lot of parents will support young boys because they see a career path at the end of it. At this moment in time, they don't see a career path for young women. And it doesn't have to be successful sportswomen. They could be successful running an organisation. We've got some great female chief executives now. Since we've done that report, they're amazing. And a young woman from judo, Lisa has just been appointed head of the International Federation, a Scottish hero. So there are great stories. But you know what? When you see these great stories, people go, that's wonderful. But it's only one. You know, we don't want them to be great stories. We want them just to be part and parcel of everyday life. There's a woman there. She's doing her job. She's top of the, the tree. Why not? Yeah, why not indeed? Another thing that seems to be that people understand, and you were saying about with men, young boys and in sport, that that will now be an integral part of their life. They will perhaps play on this team and then they will, um, and they may even go professional. But even if they don't go professional, it's considered to be character building. 
for boys. But we don't seem to have that attitude towards girls, that playing sports can is good for their personalities. I would agree with you. I mean, there's so many different reasons young girls don't play sports. You know, they're body conscious. A lot of sports perhaps say, well, when you're playing with us, this is this is your kit. Uh, lose white shorts. Now this is a this is a current thing. We've got a lot of teams now understanding young girls don't want to play in white shorts. You know, they're on their menstrual cycle at that point. They feel uncomfortable. They're not going to participate to their full potential. There's little things like that that so many people could do, but it's a bit like missionary work because you're going about converting each individual person. Um change. It must be so tiring for you because basically you're having the same discussion over and over again. <laughs> I love a challenge. So things are improving. Yes. Are they? Please tell me they are. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, they definitely are. I think they are. And then you've got this issue. You've mentioned one of the key issues that you've got, which is that people think everything's all right now. And it's not, is it? No, it definitely isn't all right. I mean, but don't get me wrong. As long as we can see the pace of change and it keeps on accelerating, I mean, we don't go out and demand everything should be 50-50 down the line because we know that we started from a much Brother we base. You know, men have been involved in sport longer, so we've got to build up our momentum there. Um, so you know, we don't go in and argue for things that are not real. Let's take each step along the way. Let's make sure we get it right. Another thing I would say is let's not try and emulate the men. In so many occasions, you couldn't really say that they've got a grasp of how to do things very well. Maybe I should <laughs> say this, but you've got an opportunity to do things differently. You know, you have got this opportunity if you're just starting out to change things, to make them better, to make them transparent, to make sure it's inclusive, make sure it's diverse. Well, that's what my mum was ranting about because uh, when we were watching the Women's World Cup, my mum was pointing out that she says they lassies spend a lot less time on the flair than they laddies. Basically, she says they would hit. Ah, they were taking dives, and and I'm not saying that the men are taking dives. If anybody is uh, thinking of lawyering up, um, it's just that she said that they, it was more fluid. They get the women were wasting less time with theatricals, or is that is that just her perception? No, that's that that to me is a well known phrase that I hear often. Uh, you know, from <laughs> even people in the stands, girls just want to get up and play. That might not always be the case. It might be. It might be different as we go on, but at the moment, really proud of that fact. The Women's Fund for Scotland, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, grant making, there's money, but there's also support and networking. Is that something that women in sport finds useful, that networking, nurturing side of things? I think networking is really, really important. Um, and I think since we've um, we've managed to come through COVID and we find we can network online, Again, it gives more opportunities for more people to do it. Personally, I prefer being in a room and meeting people and having a chat. But if you want to spread the story, if you want to get support, you have to network. You can't do it in isolation. Partnership working is definitely the way forward. Would you like to see the Scottish women's football team at the World Cup final? That's a stupid question. Why did I ask that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. um, (laughs) I am hoping they would do it at some point. I think qualifying, I think playing well, I think being good role models, which the the national squad are undoubtedly excellent role models. I mean, they will stand and sign autographs, you know, after they've played. They're, They're good role models. They do a lot of good work. So I think for me, that's more important. It's the cherry and the you know, on top of the cake, on top of the icing for them to, to succeed and, and, and do well. But the more that they can be created as role models, the more young girls will want to follow in their footsteps. 
then you've got that bigger movement and you've got more chance of getting more players into the elite teams. That's what struck me when you were talking about the mentorship, the leadership. You're building this this fantastic movement, which is actually talking to itself constantly. It's kind of advising everything that you're doing in the future, isn't it? What we're hoping to do is challenge the inequalities, but challenge them and show them how they can change. It's not insurmountable things that are out there that are stopping young girls participate in sport and become leaders in sport. It's just being aware of how you can change a couple of small things to make it different. I mean, my bugbear all my years in working in football was, you know, if you were promoting any sort of coaching courses, it was pictures of boys. I said, girls will look at the pictures. They'll not read the script, but it says boys and girls. So put the pictures up there. That's not a difficult thing to do. All these wee things are quite easy, but put them together, they make a huge impact. They certainly do. And... Finally, one of the things about sport, and you've just hit on it there about, you know, becoming a top footballer or, or, or a top gymnast or a top hurdler or, or boxer. That isn't actually the point. I mean, it's great to get there, but there's so much more that your career can have, even when you're not at that very peak that women can go into. You're talking about coaching, all the, all the different careers that can open up for women if they, they participate. So we should allow them to just be enjoying themselves as well. Yeah, and, and identify these opportunities and encourage women to get there. There can only be one, you know, world champion in so many sports, and there's lots of others. Not everyone wants to be an elite. They've all got other ideas of what they want to be. But what we want is every young girl to have the opportunity to enjoy sport. We have the opportunity to progress if she wants to progress and to have the opportunity of getting support that will help her to do that. It's about levelling that particular playing field and making sure opportunities at every level are open and they're welcomed and that we can sort of start drilling down into this subconscious or unconscious bias where people are making decisions on what women and girls should and shouldn't do. I I adored watching the women's football. I've actually discovered, I also went with a friend recently to watch women's rugby. And what I loved watching most of all was young, was women's bodies doing what women's bodies are supposed to do. They weren't being objectified. They weren't being googled at. They were being, I mean, the girls playing rugby were slathered in mud and slamming into one another. Quite terrifying. But it was, it was great to watch them explore the potential of their bodies. And, and it's because of fantastic people like you. Oh, thank you very much. And what I would say for anybody that's thinking of going out to watch women's sport, it's a bargain. And you can take your children with you and it's a family day out. So there's nothing to stop you being there. It was a great atmosphere. No, it's, it's because yep. of you. Thank you. And I, what I think we should all do now, Maureen, as a nation, we should uh, we should all you know buy you a big bottle of red wine and just see what other great idea you come up with. <laughs> That's really kind of you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and listening to this story. I hope you've been inspired. And if you would like to support the Women's Fund for Scotland, search for us online and listen out for our other podcast episodes.